For our second message today, it's listed in your bulletin as unknown. It actually is, but he's going to help us to, to understand it. It's called self-examination. Mr. Barmas Grayson. Mr. Grayson. Good afternoon, everyone. Self-examination. Corinth was one of the most wicked cities of ancient times. It's one of the largest cities of the Roman Empire. It was cosmopolitan because people gathered there from all places. And it had a thriving economy. And just like any city that was growing in wealth and influence from people around the world, there were also problems there. But Paul, we read, established a church there during his second missionary journey, and he was there for about 18 months. But in reading 1 Corinthians, you know that there was gross immorality, uh, a pr one particular incestuous relationship. There were instances of trouble in that congregation between uh, Christians. There were kind of like the problems that we might have today, even among our uh, church, wherever it might be. There were also abuses taking uh, place in the observance of the Lord's Supper. There was disorderly conduct in the uh, uh, formal assemblies of worship. People getting up and speaking aloud and speaking their mind and, and saying it in uh, all kinds of ways. There was also confusion about the role of women in the church. And there were heresies about the uh, afterlife. Now, Paul had asked about that. He said, uh, now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you among you that there is no resurrection? of the dead. If that be true, then Christ is not risen. So there were some who believed that there was no resurrection. And what would it be like if we also believed there was no resurrection? There would be no hope for our seeing the loved ones that have uh, died. But they will be resurrected and that's one of the hopes that we have in being in the church. So we see that the church was being infected by all sorts of ideas and philosophies and things that uh, the society was uh, questioning around them. Now, Paul had to do something about this, and one of the things that he uh, suggested or advised was self-examination. A look at their own self to see where they stand. Are they for real following Christ, or are, are they not in the spirit? I see that it's getting close to uh, 3 o'clock, so I like to always say when I'm short on time, I always like to say that uh, I'll try to be brief no matter how long it takes. So if I start uh, running pretty fast with the scriptures here uh, and start stumbling to you, you'll understand that I'm trying to get you out of here by 3 o'clock. So y'all can take me to dinner. But in Galatians 5, we see where uh, Paul is speaking. He says, brethren, you have been called unto liberty. You've been called unto freedom. But don't use that liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. So we all have freedom to do as we please, to, you know, whatever we choose to do, you know, we're free to do that. But the advice that Paul is giving is not to really follow your own desires when there's an opportunity to serve one another in some way. That's, that's outgoing love. And, you know, some, of, some have it more than others. But there are many ways to show love. Uh, for example, you know, when we remember those who need prayer. That's showing love when we take time out to even mention their name or uh, 
present to God the uh, particular problem that they might be having in their life. Verse 14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, in one command, even this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15, But if you uh, bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. So, you know, if, if you uh, keep on doing this, biting and devouring, uh, you gotta, you got to watch out because both, you know, are going to come to some uh, sort of end that is not going to be favorable to, you know, either one. And that's the result of, you know, these quarrels that were taking place that Paul wanted to uh, nip in the bud. So in verse 16 he says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So the fruits of God's Spirit, uh, we see, must be the way to overcome evil with good. So whenever uh, conflicts of the flesh, struggles against the flesh arise, and we have to put these words of, uh, of God, the fruits of the Spirit, into our life by thinking of those things and then doing those things. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to uh, one, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So how do we know which one is winning out in our life? What struggle is, seems to be our downfall, or the one that we're struggling against most of all? So how do we see? I like a uh, title to a song a long time, I can't think of the uh, singer, but it was, he wanted to know what condition his condition was in. So this is what we're looking at, self-examination. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, here's what he says, Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. When you examine yourself, you're bound to see a lot of weaknesses. I mean, when you're sincerely looking, you know, uh, something you're not doing right, uh, then you know that you've got to repent of it. You've got to change. And that's why you look to Jesus Christ, because he's that bread, and he's uh, the one who shed his blood for our forgiveness of sins. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So you might realize that, you know, you have Christ on your side, but if you're not doing what his will is, then you're not considering the things that Jesus Christ died for, the things in your life that he wants us to put to the death. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So sometimes when you ignore the wisdom, you ignore the advice, the moral uh, uh, things that uh, is in the Word of God, then it's bound to lead you into a destructive way. You might go off the deep end. You might uh, do alcoholism or drugs or whatever. And all of those things can bring about destruction. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So when you take a look at yourself, then uh, there would be probably no reason why Christ should just come and condemn you because, you know, you're trying to change. You're doing the things that lead to change. You're recognizing your sins and confessing, confessing them. And, you know, Christ, God, is just to forgive sins. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1. The Apostle Paul is saying, this is the third time, he's to the Corinthians, he's saying, this is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. 
The third time, here the Apostle Paul is addressing an apparently disobedient and obstinate church that just won't listen, that just really has all these things that they would rather stand up for, which are in the long run are not right. They're just not listening. They're obstinate. So as we know uh, from 1 Corinthians, here was a church that really had some internal problems. Well, uh, we'll go back to 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, I didn't give this to Brian, but I'll just basically tell you what it's about. Uh, the Apostle Paul is saying, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that all of you agree with one another so that there be no divisions among you. Now, how perfect are we in doing that? Because sometimes it's hard to agree with each other perfectly every time. And, you know, there's a right way to agree, a right way to disagree. And so, these are things that will lead to division if these uh, disagreements become deep and also bitter. So, the Apostle Paul is uh, telling us to get along with each other. Be on the same page that you may be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Oh, thank you, Brian. You got that up there. <clears throat> so, you can imagine the Apostle Paul, with some disappointment in his voice, he said, my brothers, my brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Quarrels. Quarrels. You know what quarrels are? They're just angry disagreements. They're angry arguments. And not just one thing, but there were many. And so the Apostle Paul points it out. He said, well, what, was, what it was all over, what it's about. And he says, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. But all these things, with all good intentions, nevertheless were causing divisions. Verse 22 on down, the Jews demand miraculous signs while the Greeks look for wisdom. So there was two, uh, uh, two things different that each was trying to get out of their meetings. Some were wanting miraculous signs and Greeks looking for wisdom. Jews and Gentiles in the church, they had to contend with the superstition of the one and the sinful conduct of the other. And so there was disagreements, there was a division. There were also false teachers who undermined the influence of the apostles, of Apostle Paul. So there were two factions that we know of, for the Jewish ceremonies and the other indulging in a lot of excesses that were contrary to the scripture, to the will of God. And instead, they were all worldly, as Paul said. You're carnal, having not let the spirit of grace and love fill them as it should. So... Whenever disagreement or things you don't agree with come, come to mind, there is that tendency to kind of forget about the grace of God and the love of God, just to espouse your own ideas and so on. Verse 23, Paul says, but we preach Christ. And that says a lot because Jesus Christ is, is a lot of good attitude, a lot of beatitudes, of meekness and humility and love and concern. We but we uh, preach Christ crucified. Crucified because of things that are contrary to his way, which is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. 
So there was this disunity. And also sin because there was immorality that should not be tolerated. Things going on that uh, they knew about but just weren't saying anything. It's kind of like our society is today in saying nothing about immorality and wrongs. In 1 Corinthians 5, the apostle says in verse 1 that it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. A man has his father's wife and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? So we see there was a, a, a lot of uh, troubles there in the church and so the apostle Paul is just telling them that they need to shape up. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 2, back, back there again. Uh, as I told you before and foretell you, as if I were present the second time, and being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other, that if I come again, I will not spare. So, Paul is saying, I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others. In this one little scripture, we see the patience of Paul. We also see the patience of Jesus Christ that people turn from sin, that they hear his correction because patience only bears for so long before there is a fearful accounting so at length, we know that Jesus Christ is going to come and he will not spare those who continue in their obstinance or disobedience. Verse 3, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. You know, they were in different ways wanting to put Paul to the test. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. You know, Christ went at his crucifixion appeared as weak and powerless, but it is his resurrection and life that you know, was a sign of his divine power. These apostles were the instruments. They manifested the power of God through their teaching and conduct and love for the gospel for their, uh, of salvation. Because the power that they had was knowing of the resurrection, knowing that Jesus Christ uh, was at the right hand of God and that he was in, in control of all matters and that they believed in the message that they were teaching. The Apostle Paul said then in verse 5, so he said, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates, that is, uh, without moral uh, principles. Prove your own selves, he's saying. They ought to know if uh, Jesus Christ was in them by the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. The indwelling of his Holy Spirit gives certain uh, attitudes, certain uh, ways to live. So to us, this means that we, let us question our own heart. Either we are true Christians or we are deceivers. Unless Christ be in us by his spirit and power of his love, you know, our faith is dead. So this, this prophecy, there's a prophecy that says that in uh, the last days, the love of many shall wax cold. Revelation chapter 3, verse 13, 
He that has an ear, and you see that expression quite often in the scriptures. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Now, we all have ears, but it sometimes, you know, goes in, goes in one ear and out the other. We all have what some call selective hearing. If there, but if there's something we really want to hear and pay attention to, like some music or maybe some particular message or some philosophy, we tune ourselves to that. We... Uh, you know, it's kind of like putting on the headphones because you want to hear. We all have ears to hear. So it is brought to our attention that we should listen to what the message might be to these churches that are being talked about here in the book of Revelation. Verse 14, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I would you were cold or hot. You know, uh, we use the example of, you know, say like the uh, uh, morning cup of coffee. And whenever I pour my coffee, I put cream in it, so that kind of cools it down a little bit, and then I have to reheat it, and then whatever I'm going to do, I set the cup down, and as I set it down, it starts to cool, and then when I sip it, it's not to my liking, and so I stick it back in the microwave. You know, it's, uh, it's the lukewarmness that it's just something about it. Coffee's supposed to be hot. And um, they've got this coffee now that, you know, iced coffee, I don't know what it's called. Pay $6 for, I think, you know, put ice in it, you know. Cold coffee, I, what is that? Never, that's all right. I only have a few minutes, so. <coughs> Something I, I, but anyway, you know, it's, the lukewarmness is not pleasing. And sometimes you can detect lukewarmness. You know, someone's not really into it or, uh, they're just sort of indifferent. You see that sometimes. So, throughout the Word of God, there are messages conveyed to us either through the spoken word or as we read it or as we hear it in some other way. There are messages that are intended. So, if we have the ear to hear, you know, we'll hear. Uh, verse 14, uh, about the Laodiceans, and uh, verse 16 so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. And we can also, as we look at the scriptures beneath this, uh, because you're neither cold or hot, you're gonna, we're going to be spewed out of his mouth. But also, he's about to spew us out of his mouth if we are lukewarm. So this church, uh, uh, Laodicea, they had a problem of indifference. And that grew over time. They weren't fired up. They had only themselves to blame, blame, however. And while it speaks collectively of this church, we know that it also can be an individual thing. And, and it all permeates uh, to the collective body. And here's the reason, verse 17, Because you say, I'm rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. As you look at the word of God sometimes, you know, you don't always see the uh, praise. Sometimes you see the things that are wrong. And the reason we see these things that might be wrong in our life is because our Father in heaven is wanting to correct us and draw our attention to some things that we need to change. And so they were living under the delusion that things, since things were going well, they were in good stead. They, they didn't need anything. But they should have been examining themselves. 
to be sure they were still bearing the fruits of the Spirit with eyes toward the kingdom of heaven, not the world. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy me gold tried in fire that you may be rich and, and white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear and anoint your eyes with self that you may see. So, you know, it takes a desire, a sincere, sincerity to look at oneself, to examine oneself and then to see that what Christ has to offer by way of righteousness should be the thing that clothes you to hide those things that are <clears throat> unseemly. So we, we're looking at Christ telling us to change. He lets us know where the true riches are. It's not in the world, but in his, in his word. And, but to not only hear them, but you know, to do them. So there are some things in our life that must be parted with, such as sin and pride and self-confidence and overindulgence and things. But we are to look to Christ and not ourselves. And we have to stir up the spirit so that it is not uh, lukewarm. But we do experience lukewarmness at times. As, and as long as, but however, as long as there is warmth in our body, you know, there, there is that hope that we can stir up the spirit and become uh, like our, uh, having not left our first love. Like Ephesus. They'd left their first love. Uh, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. First uh, John chapter 2. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness, and walks in darkness, and knows not where he goeth, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. So we know that a lot of quarrels, a lot of disunity, and sin is a result of our human nature wanting to do things in a selfish and often argumentative way. And from that we know that roots of bitterness can grow and anchor down in the heart and mind. We are, are of course not perfect and that's why we need Christ as our strength and as our righteousness as the psalm says. And we need his love and we need that to put into action, put into action the best we can. So that's the important thing to have in life, love toward God, love toward neighbor, and those things make for being a Christian and, you know, and getting along because love is the glue. While, um, you know, during this summer I, I've had access to a bunch of wood and lumber and things like that, and so I've been making boxes and little kits and stuff like that, and to... Uh, 
When you have two separate pieces, you know, you, you score it a little bit and you put some glue in between it and then you press it together. And when you bring two things together, that love is like that glue that brings things together, holds it together so that uh, it won't come apart. So we can look at the Holy Spirit because God is love. That's the glue that holds people together, that holds his church together. Uh, we're not a perfect church. I know I'm not a perfect person, but we also know that there are various other uh, churches, you know, meeting at the same time we are at this moment or later on, that there are other churches that uh, are a part of uh, the body of Jesus Christ. But here's how we are to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. First uh, Corinthians 13. And though I, said Paul, this is Paul speaking, and also, you know, anyone who preaches, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And now, and though I now, and though I, and if we would just sort of like draw a line and put our name where it says I, and though I, Barnabas, Bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I, though I, Barnabas, give my body to be burned and have not charity, it doesn't profit, uh, profit me anything. And then, you know, we have the description of love, that it suffers long, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it vaunts not itself, it's not puffed up. So one of the things that we can examine ourselves is, you know, to write out, I, blank, am a patient person. So you can answer those in your own mind. I, blank, am a kind-hearted person. I, blank, am not a jealous person. I, blank, am not a boastful person. I, blank, am not a vain person. So, you know, some of these things we can put our, our self-examination into. We know that love does not behave itself unseemly. It doesn't seek her own. It's not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So if we can examine ourselves in each of these areas and stir up the spirit of love, we can overcome lukewarmness and sin and disunity. Verse 8, not saying that we are disunified now, but charity never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know, when you uh, argue and, or, and feel hatred and things, you know, or being obstinate, you know, that's, that's childish behavior. So we have to mature along the way that Christ would want us to. We see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but when shall I know, even as I, as also I am known. And now uh, abides faith, hope, charity, 
these three, but the greatest of these is, is charity. So, when we examine ourselves, we're bound to discover, you know, some things that we do need to change. And self-examination, sometimes, you know, it's like going to the doctor. You really don't want to know sometimes. You don't want what has been called sometimes the uh, uh, inconvenient truth. Because sometimes, you know, you look at, you don't want to see these truths. But as long as we have the Word of God to correct us, then this is what we should abide by. And this is what we look at for self-examination.